welcome to the Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Dunn. Once again, by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you this fine Monday early evening? Oh, James, I'm just lovely. Been running around all day trying to get some stuff done. It was a day off work for me. Uh, still didn't get everything I needed to get done done because that's just how life is right now. I can't catch up on anything. Uh, but we'll get it figured out. We'll get it going. How are you, James? How was work for you today? Man, work was fine. I hear you on the can't catch up to anything. It's kind of like the Steelers offense these days. You can't catch up to uh, opposing teams. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, man, work was all right. And uh, I'm feeling good. So there's that at least. Good. Uh, we got to work on how uh, some of these Steelers are feeling. Uh, but as a podcast, we should feel good about positive feedback, right? Oh, absolutely. We should feel very good about positive feedback. Okay. So in that regards, we have a new five-star review on Apple podcast. And we've always told you guys to give us a five star review. We will shout you out on the podcast. Uh, this uh, person, RDH 3142, uh, always an enjoyable podcast to listen to anxious to hear what they say about Kenny Pickett's debut. Uh, so this was right after uh, the game against the New York jets that this one came through, uh, and related, maybe related, maybe not related, uh, friends of the podcast, Lake Erie Photography. Uh, if you want to catch out some cool pictures of the Erie area, he also shoots a lot of pictures uh, in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, all the surrounding area up here. So if you're not from the Erie area, but you want to see uh, some really awesome photography work, check that out. He's on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and other social medias as well. Uh, but some pretty awesome pictures. Uh, from not only just the Steelers stadium, uh, but this whole general area. So uh, check them out when you get a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll share some of their stuff on our Facebook page or something if we get the chance for sure. Uh, with that being said, uh, talking Steelers news now, Kenny Pickett was uh, adjusted in the depth chart officially last week before the game as the number one quarterback in the depth chart. So that's a huge plus for him. We kind of saw that coming after he came in at the end of the Jets game, uh, but then he did get the start against the Bills. And I'm going to tell you what, James, wasn't a fan of that move. Not one bit. Of him being named the starter? Not versus the Bills. Oh, well. That's not a, that's not a great way to, uh, you know, put some motivation and excitement in your young quarterback that's a way to deflate him very quickly uh and i think we potentially could have seen that ha granted we'll get into that but i think he played fairly well and i think that he um he stuck up for himself when he needed to but i wasn't i don't know it it, it was frustrating i would have preferred him to come in and play the whole jets game first before yeah starting against the buffalo bills the prob the probably number one you know number one or two front runner for the super bowl this year yeah, and, and I get that. I feel like once you pulled him into that game against the Jets, you couldn't put him back on the bench. If you did that, then you were kind of saying, well, you know, we've just seen what you had. It wasn't enough. Uh, so go work on your skills some more. We don't think you're good enough to, to, to dethrone Mitch at this point. So I think you really kind of almost had no choice. Um, the one thing I will say is that if the bills were a healthier team, I wouldn't have been for it, but they were minus a, a number of key players in their secondary. Yeah. Uh, starting safeties, number one corner, uh, lots of guys that really help you have better matchups with what is supposed to be a, a superior wide receiver core. Uh, so 
I, I feel like you needed to find out is he is this moment too big for him or not, and at least you're throwing him in there against some secondary players uh, that weren't all starters in the secondary. So I, I, I would I'm. I felt like you kind of had to. Once you pulled him into that Jets game, there's there's no going back now. That's fair. I'll give you that. Um, I did think that he, I don't know. I agree with what you're saying. I do think that there was op- opportunities for Pittsburgh to be smarter about when they put him in and this and that. Um, but this is kind of just how it played out. So it is what it is. Let's not get too far into this because we're going a little bit ahead of uh, stuff we need to talk about too. Um Steven Sims uh, was to be the starting kick and punt returner versus the Bills after Gunnar Olszewski has fumbled away most of his chances so far. Uh, not surprised True. with that move. And then Calvin Austin III uh, did start his 21-day window to return from injury reserve as he resumed practice on Wednesday last week. So that also happened. Uh, and then we have... Yeah, which is, which is excellent, honestly, right? Because this wide receiver core isn't giving us what we hoped for. Nope. Uh, other than George Pickens. George is really showing out pretty well. Uh, we need more. We need more explosiveness. We need big plays. We're not getting those. In uh, a guy with four three three speed or something stupid like that can absolutely start stretching the field and get you some big plays. Absolutely. Uh, some roster moves happen. Steelers released punter Jordan Berry and wide receiver uh, Jaquari Robert, Robertson. Uh, Robertson. The, Robertson and from the practice squad. Mm-hmm. And then they signed center Ryan McCollum, who we've talked about before, and safety Scott Nelson to the practice squad. Um, yep. And- a little bit of chess play the bills ended up signing uh, Jakari Roberson to their 53 before the game. Yeah. So saw, saw that happen. That was a fun move. <laughs> he wasn't on the team long enough to really know all the ins and outs, but he definitely knew the playbook a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, both teams were kind of littered and sprinkled with injuries before the game. Nothing too, too crazy other than the fact that Pittsburgh. Obviously yeah, still Pittsburgh had TJ Watt and yeah. then, and then cornerback. Um, Terrell Edmonds was out. Akilah Witherspoon, Witherspoon was out. So, yeah, that's that's two of your starters in the secondary, your top pass rusher. So, obviously, that hamstrings you quite a bit. The Bills had both starting safeties and uh, Trey White out. So, in their number one corner, both starting safeties. Uh, and then Dawson Knox was ruled out prior to the game as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they had a lot of key injuries going into it also, and, and I felt like that would give Pittsburgh the opportunity to try to stretch the field and throw the ball a decent amount, which they did throw the ball. They lot, did, 52 but, times to be yeah. exact. Yeah. Yep, yeah, so uh, in other news, other injury-type news, the news came out that T.J. Watt uh, has actually undergone knee surgery. Uh, no, this doesn't mean it's a torn ACL. Uh, what this most likely is, is a meniscus tear. It's a very common injury uh, that's not a severe injury. And it's usually about a three or four week recovery process. Uh, so since he was already going to be out a few more weeks recovering from the pectoral tear, uh, now is the time to do it. That way, when he comes back, he's not limping around, but has a healthy shoulder. He'll be uh, fully ready to go. Uh, knees feeling good. Shoulders feeling good. Chest feeling good. Everything all healed up. Because uh, when he does come back, we're going to need him to be 100%. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> the team's heading in the wrong direction right now. And an 80% TJ Watt is still one of the best players in the league. But 100% TJ Watt is a scary thing. Uh, so kind of glad to see that he got that cleaned up uh, in the projection is that will not delay his recovery time. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. 
that he's going to be coming back, you know, super 100%. Let's, let's call it that. Uh, a little bit better, yeah. maybe. We'll see what happens. Going into this game, uh, Pittsburgh also made one more move. They, actually, a couple more moves. Excuse me. They they signed uh, Ryan Anderson to the 53-man roster, and David Anenny was cut. And then the Steelers elevated safety Elijah Riley and cornerback Josh Jackson, who wound up playing way more than we would have liked uh, before the game. And then they were 14-point underdogs going into the game for the first time since 1960. Guess what? That wasn't enough. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> scary scary uh so let's get into the game here uh as much as we don't really want to talk about all the gruesome details we do need to talk about what went right what went wrong uh and what are the longer term ramifications of maybe some of the injuries in this game as well uh so right out of the gate you know the bills got the ball and then uh, bombed at 98 yards for a touchdown right yeah uh, and what we saw was that we already knew Levi Wallace was not the fastest corner in the world. Unfortunately, on this play, they threw to Trey Norwood's side because he started opposite Mika Fitzpatrick. Trey took an awful, awful angle as if he thought it was going to be a slant pass or something. Yep. Uh, and next thing you know, uh, Gabe Davis is just running right by both of them because Trey Norwood's like a four-five-five guy, and Levi Wallace is a four-six-one guy, and Gabe Davis is very clearly faster than both of them. Uh, little, little this bit. would just be, yeah, this would just be a theme of the day, honestly. The defensive backs just not being anywhere near athletic enough or talented enough to, to keep up with these DBs, other than one interception by Levi Wallace in the end zone where he did a pretty good job of staying in phase and right on the yep. on the uh, wide receiver's hip. Uh, he had a great play on that play, getting that interception, but uh, unfortunately ended up with a concussion and missing the second half of the game. So <laughs> as much as he's getting dusted on one play, getting the interception on the other, it's just too much in the letting up the big plays. The Bills offense just absolutely lit them up in the passing game in the first half, and it was just too much to overcome. Yeah, yeah, it was very unfortunate to watch the game play out the way that it did. Um, and even for me, you know, there were I, the way that I was watching it, I kept missing a play or two here or there. And then um, when it would come back, I'd be like, oh, something bad happened again. Got it. And luckily, yeah. I, m the majority of the time, I'd see that what happened and, you know, whether it was a sack or uh, a dr another drop pass by Deontay Johnson, this or that. It, it was a lot of just bad or, you know, the 98 yard touch. I saw the 98 yard touchdown and I said, oh, no. Like it was already gonna yeah. be a long game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the the worst part was this: I feel like they did good on like first and second down, and then boom, there it was. Yeah. Yep. And that's like they that, tried to run, we stuffed them, and then bomb for a touchdown. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, let's, I don't know what to say. Let's, let's walk through this like we we similarly do most of the time here, and start with the quarterback play with Kenny Pickett. Uh, when you look at his numbers, other than the interception, he had a pretty good game, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, no touchdowns. Down yeah. the field, uh, 320 yards passing. This is probably the most yardage passing that a Steelers quarterback's had in a few years now, it seems. Uh, I don't know. I know Mitch obviously didn't come anywhere near that. He was barely breaking 200 in the games that he started. Yeah. Uh, so this is significantly better there. Uh, a lot more first downs. They did get some drives moving and got down the field a little bit. Uh, unfortunately kept on trying to settle for field goals. And even that didn't work well. Boswell having probably one of the worst games he's ever had going one for three in a game. 
but you do have to to complete the the drives. You do have to get touchdowns, especially against a team like Buffalo, who's known for putting a bunch of points up. Uh, you have to get touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to be enough against a team like that. Nope. They're not enough against most teams, to be realistic. Unless you're going to put up seven field goals in a game, it's probably not going to be enough. Yeah. Uh, so got to find a way to, to convert those drives and finish the drives. Uh, and my big thing on this this game, honestly, is that I felt like if he would have had a better performance from the receivers, he would have easily had another six or seven completed passes. Easily. Easily. And then we're talking about a guy going, you know, 40 or 41 of 52, probably closer to 400 yards and probably at least two touchdowns passing because he would have com- completed the drives. Um, Deontay Johnson, I just felt like had an atrocious night. Um, a, a few good plays here and there, but at least two dropped balls. At least twice he couldn't get his feet in bounds while on the sideline making the catch, but not getting his feet in bounds. Yep. One time just completely forgot to drag his one foot, yeah. cut the one foot in bounds and didn't drag the second one. And because of it, he stepped out of bounds. It's just it's, it's stuff that you learn in middle school, man. Yep. Like dragging the second foot is something that you you learn early in your football career. And he's done it in the past. And he's just not doing any of those little details that make you a good number one receiver. Yeah. Uh, and it it's just it's so frustrating to to watch the lack of effort consistently yeah. over and over in the lack of execution. I just feel like he's literally letting the games slip between his fingers. Yeah, I feel like we need to do a little check-in on Deontay Johnson. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think he has the talent. He has the talent. just It's just like he doesn't perform. And I don't understand that. The drops are back. The the drops are back. And if you're you're not going to be the guy with extreme physical stature, then you need to be consistently catching the ball. Your foot placement has to be just pristine, especially on the sidelines when you're in those opportunities. I mean, one of those was in the end zone. Yep. He gets a second foot in bounds, and it's a touchdown. Literally a touchdown came off of the board because he couldn't drag his feet and get his feet in bounds. Yep. And it was a perfectly placed ball. Yeah, one was on a fourth down. You literally killed the drive. Yep. The drive is over because you dropped the ball on fourth down. Yep. And, and then later on in the game, Chase Claypool drops one on fourth down. It, it, like these guys have got to be more consistent. And I'll give Claypool credit. This was probably his best game of the season. Uh, the drop on fourth down was, I mean, the game was already in hand at the time. Uh, but. You can't do that. But I don't care, down, I don't care if you're down 100 to zero. You're still paid to catch the ball. You are. You are. And it wasn't like he was about to get lit up or anything. He just straight up dropped it. You got to do better than that. And and here we are again talking about the, the best wide receiver in this game was easily George Pickens. Yep. Uh, once again, making contested catches, fighting for all kinds of extra yards, fighting for first downs and getting them. Blowing up uh, some guys on blocking opportunities, blocking yeah. the cornerbacks through the play. Like he he plays like the size that Chase Claypool is. Yep. And and like the money that Deontay Johnson wants. Yeah. That's what he plays. And, like. and is getting. Yeah. <laughs> and is getting. Yeah. Like uh, 
I feel like at least I'm very happy that Kenny Pickett seems to understand that his best two weapons on offense are George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth. Uh, and unfortunately, Pat Fryermuth suffering a concussion in this game. Uh, no penalty on the play, even though it was a helmet-to-helmet hit. Uh, he'll be out, obviously. We'll see what happens as far as next week against Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll have a better feel for that at the end of the week, whether or not he's able to make it through concussion protocol. But he had two concussions in his rookie season. So this is his third one already in two years, which is a little bit scary. I would not be surprised if even if he clears concussion protocol, they don't play him just to give him an extra week to heal up. Yeah. Because I feel like it would be the smart move with a guy that you're hoping to be your franchise tight end. So in his absence, I did like the effort we got out of Zach Gentry. Uh, We've been kind of saying this all along that we feel like Zach Gentry should be more involved in this offense. One of the things I really like about him is if you can hit him in stride and he gets some momentum going, people do not easily bring him down. No, he's big. (laughs) Yeah, he's a very big, very strong individual. Uh, And if you can get him on the move, he oftentimes gets you an extra 5, 10 yards on the play. So uh, I like the effort out of him. Uh, I really did feel like it looked good. Five catches for what forty-three yards, eight point six yards. Yeah, that's dang near a first down on every catch. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It was so, it was good to yeah, see him get involved. Yeah, I liked what I saw out of Zach. Um, I liked what I saw out of Zach. Again, we talked about all this stuff. Going over stats real quick. George Pickens was targeted eight times with six catches. Deontay Johnson was targeted thirteen times with five catches. That speaks volumes right there. Um, yeah, and, and, and if 12, that happens 11 in the season, you don't catch that. 11 or 12 of those them. were um, catchable balls, to clarify. It's not if like he was getting undrafted guy. Yeah, if that's an undrafted guy trying out for the team in the preseason, you don't keep him. Nope. You cut him. Yep. Five catches on 13 targets, and how many of those were catchable? I'm going to say at least five of those drops. I said 11 or 12 him. of the 13 targets were catchable. 11 or 12. Minimum. I agree. I agree. So I agree. I mean, the interception was not well. That, that's fair. That was catchable. That was well, that's, a that's why I said eleven or twelve. But, well, only one of yeah. them for sure wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um. <Yep. laughs> but yeah, the wide receiver room. You know, Connor Hayward got involved. His first two catches of the season, unfortunately, it was in garbage time um, of his career. Actually, I should say. Um. But the running game, man, the running game was non-existent other than Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren was the only one getting yards. Najee Harris had. 20 yards on the game on 11 carries, a 1.8 average. That's bad. That's not great, Bob. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Um, nope. <laughs> nope. And there was a very clear difference. Now, granted, um, Jalen Warren's snaps were all basically in the second half of the game. Yeah. Uh, so they were playing a little bit back in coverage, so you didn't have the safeties up in the box that you had otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I still feel like there was a big difference in when Jalen Warren got the ball handed off to him versus uh, when Najee did. Because when Jalen got the ball, it was full speed ahead. I'm going as fast as I can. I'm hitting the hole and I'm going. Yep. Uh, and Najee's still doing a little bit more dancing and stuff. And if there's safeties in the box, that's not going to work. Yeah. Granted, Jalen Warren can probably get through more holes that the offensive line creates than Najee Harris can, because they're not massive holes. Jalen Warren's a much smaller individual, but again, I do think that Najee needs to say, okay, if the offensive line isn't going to block well for me, I have to run through them. You, if he ran into the back of them, he would get 
four or five yards minimum every time, most of the time, just because of how big he is. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to just start running through players, push the offensive line. You, we've seen Le'Veon Bell do it a little bit. His was more patience, putting his hand on the back. But sometimes you just got to, you got to go. Yeah. So I don't know. I expect to see more. I expect to see more next week out of the running game because I just think that Pittsburgh's going to realize they can't be as one dimensional as they were this game. And I realized they were one dimensional because they got down so fast and so quickly. I don't think that will be the case next week. I think they may still go down early, but I don't think it will ha- I don't think we're going to be down 31 to three at the half. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It's kind of hard. I really hope you're right. It's kind of hard <laughs> not to, um, not to pass a whole lot in the second half when you're down that far. Um, but yeah, just very disappointing for sure for that. And then it, it, we're talking about wide receivers. I'll talk about the return game real quick too. Steven Sims only had one opportunity for 19 yards. Uh, nothing super impressive from anybody in the return game. So I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't see anything uh, extraordinary in the return game to brag about. So um, obviously James Pierre early in the game uh, fumbles a kick return opportunity. Uh, we didn't even know he was supposed to be out there. And uh, there it is, you know, so. Uh, right out of the gate, um, we expected Stephen Sims. Apparently, Stephen Sims uh, had an eye injury in the pregame process. Uh, you ended up seeing him later on appearing in the game and having a visor over his face mask. So I wonder if he didn't get an accidental finger in the eye or something like that in pregame. Uh, but regardless, um, it's just snowballs on you sometimes, man. You know, you try to make a change for the positive going from Gunner to Stephen Sims. Sims injures the eye in the pregame. Pierre is out there and he, and he muffs his first opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, defensive side of the ball. Well, let's talk offensive line. I think we should. I, uh, I, I'm at the very minimum want to talk James Daniels. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, James Daniels. I mean, uh, we didn't even touch about it yet, but Kenny Pickett took two what, what we would consider cheap shots. Yep. Uh, one of them, he was sliding uh, while scrambling, and the safety hit him anyway. Um, it wasn't like a devastating helmet-to-helmet hit, but he did get hit while sliding, uh, which is still something that is an automatic 15-yard penalty. There was no flag on the play, uh, but James Daniels was trailing the play, the new starting guard from Chicago, yep. uh, and immediately cleaned the guy up and, and crushed him and shoved and him he out knew, of bounds. And, he, and that, my favorite part about that was that's all he was doing. He was saying, you're not going to do that to my quarterback, and then he walked yep. away from everything. Everyone he else did. started fighting him and pushing him, and he just kept walking away. I mean, he had to walk through the whole sideline of the Bills, but he kept walking. Yep. At least one Buffalo player punched him in the head three times that I could see on the replay. And there was absolutely no flag on the bills, two of them on the Steelers. I get the one on James Daniels. You kind of have to throw that, but that is just one of those moments where if the referees aren't going to defend you, well, then you have to defend each other. Uh, so I actually, I, I'm with you. I applaud James Daniels for doing this. Uh, if you don't want to be the doormat of the AFC, this is what you have to do. When people take cheap shots on your star players, you absolutely have to retaliate because if the referees don't hold them accountable for it, then you have to make sure they understand that they will get hit for doing it. Yep, absolutely. I have nothing else to say about the offensive line. That was the only thing I want to talk about. You want to talk about it? Yeah. And I don't think it was. They didn't allow a whole ton of sacks. I'll give them that. They didn't allow a ton. Yeah. 
The the second best thing I would say that they did is that later on in the game, when uh, one of the defensive ends decided to dive at Kenny Pickett's knees after a play was over and try yeah. to take his ACL out, uh, and Kenny stuck up for himself, grabbing the defensive end by the face mask, and then the dude proceeded to attempt to rip his helmet off and hit him with it. It was very clear he was attempting to Miles Garrett the situation. Yep. Uh, the offensive lineman got in there. Miles or uh, Mason Cole bear hugged the guy from behind. Uh, another offensive lineman got in between and tried to, to separate them. And then I did see one of them, and I don't recall which one. I think it was Dan Moore, actually, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dan Moore actually separated it by getting in there and just straight up, like, stiff-arming him to the face, uh, which he, I think that was the moment where the defender finally realized that if he didn't let go of Kenny Pickett, uh, these offensive linemen were about to whoop the living hell out of him. Uh, so shout out to Dan Moore as well for understanding the magnitude of the situation, uh, realizing what this defender had as far as his ill intentions towards Kenny Pickett uh, and resolving the matter uh, in a forceful manner, which again is what is appropriate in the situation when somebody is blatantly attempting to injure your quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think by any means this is a reflection of the Bills roster. Uh, but a couple of guys making some very poor decisions, uh, which I think will be reflected in their wallets later on in the week when fines are handed out, uh, even though there were no penalties on the play, kind of like uh, Miles Garrett earlier in the season against the Steelers. Yep. Called child, called shoots score four out, said he had a dirty hit against the middle linebacker where the middle linebacker got injured on the play. And the only person that got fined that week was Miles Garrett for his dirty hit on Mitch Trubisky that wasn't even flagged on the play. Sound familiar? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. It's because it is. Uh, <laughs> it's because it is. Cause it is. <laughs> People taking cheap shots on our quarterbacks and there's fines being handled out, but no penalties on the play. So, yeah, the NFL needs to get their uh, officials in line and realize that this is no longer a 245-pound quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who can take these hits and not be injured. We've got normal-sized quarterbacks now. And if they don't actually protect them, then not, our offensive linemen are going to fight people. True. So Very let's true. move over to the defense, Cody, because uh, I'm kind of I'm done talking about the offense. There wasn't a lot to celebrate here uh, on the offense. Uh, only a couple of guys shining. I would say there were less guys shining on the defense than there were on the offense. Uh, so uh, it won't be a real long conversation here, but I do feel like um, one of the biggest highlights to me was the play of the Marvin Leal early in this game. Yeah. Uh, he was a wrecking ball. He had two passes broken up at the line, uh, which we haven't seen much of that since early on in the season. I know we saw a lot of that in the first game. Yep. Haven't seen a ton of it since then. Uh, so two passes batted down. He was disruptive in the backfield as well. Uh, and then got injured and wasn't unable to come back into the game until late in the game. And then he was disruptive at the end of the game also. Uh, so it does have me optimistic uh, seeing how disruptive he is, uh, how much of a playmaker he can be. Uh, and I'm excited for the future of him playing more alongside Cam Hayward. Just we need something out of these other guys, man. Yeah. Cam got a forced fumble in the game, so at least he was able to get on the stat line other than tackles. And, 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 that, and that would have been a touchdown otherwise. So that yeah. was good. That was good timing, yep. good placement. Good. Yeah, no doubt about on. that. He used his helmet on that one, right? That was a helmet force. No, I think he stripped it out. Okay. I can't I couldn't remember yeah. the angle that I saw which what it looked like. 
Um, yeah, he was coming down the line and in, in uh, cleaning the play up and and either punch the ball out, rip the ball out, hit it out with his helmet, whatever he did, it was a great play on his part. Uh, his effort has maintained at a high level through the season, regardless of how bad the team has played. Uh, so you do have to be admirable of that. I feel like we didn't get anything out of Ogan Joby, out of Chris Wormley, out of Montrevious Adams, and out of um, Alu Alu. So really need a, a change of scenery here. Ogan Joby did injure his back in this game. It was bad enough he was unable to return. Uh, so if that doesn't clear up for him this week, then look for Loudermilk to finally get a helmet, which I'm excited for personally because his strength is as a run defender and that's the biggest weakness right now on this defensive front. Uh, well, let's let's call it what it is. They can't rush the passer either. No. No, the defensive line is doing nothing as far as stopping the run or rushing the passer. We need somebody who can at least stand up tall on one of these aspects of the defense. Loudermilk proved last year in a poor run defense that he was one of the better run defenders on the defensive line. So it's time to get him out there. You don't expect this to be drastic changes in the way Chris Wormley plays. Alu-Alu's only getting older. Montrevious Adams, ever since getting named the starter, really hasn't done anything at all. Uh, and Joby is not giving us much of a, a push on the pass rush and less in the run-stopping unit. So time to let the young boys play next to Cam Hayward and see what happens. Yep. Yep, I agree full-heartedly with that. I have nothing else to say about the defensive front line specifically. Um, I mm -hmm. want to see Loudermilk get in there. Linebackers, Devin Bush was getting torched in the past game. Robert Spillane was kind of ineffective. I didn't see anything from any linebackers in this game that I was like, ooh, exciting. Nothing. You saw one thing. One, one nice pass breakup from Robert Spillane. Uh, That's The fair. jersey numbers four and one on his back did an excellent job of blocking the ball. He had no clue the ball was coming. It hit him square in the back, and it should go down as a pass breakup. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just goes down as an incomplete. It probably pass. does because sure, he had but... he had two on the game by the stats. So okay, yeah. So it must have gone down as a deflection. So at least Spillane got involved in batting some passes down and breaking some passes up. Uh, but I really felt like another lackluster performance from the middle linebackers. Otherwise, uh, and I don't know what you're going to do to change that. Wasn't any better out of the outside linebackers as well. Um, I think part of the adjustment of the coaching staff understanding that the other outside linebackers are not playing well, we saw in the first half yeah. uh, with the Marvin Leal basically almost playing outside linebacker, uh, and that's where he was very disruptive out there. So TJ can't come back fast enough. Nope. Uh, We're, we haven't won a game without him since he's been drafted. So Nope. Yeah, so – not not good. <laughs> not not <laughs> tells good. You, tells um, you way too much. Yeah. Um, you talk safety about, play. Trey Norwood was awful. Trey Norwood was awful. Yeah. Mika Fitzpatrick was ineffective. Almost got an interception. Uh, yeah, he got out. He got he he got Joe Hayden. He got out. He got Joe Hayden. Dude. He got Joe yeah. Hayden for it for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. The receiver is just a much bigger dude. That was a rough one. Uh, Levi Wallace, again, we talked about the pick. Josh Jackson, unfortunately, had to come in and just get torched all day long. Uh, that was unfortunate for him, the young gun. He was in position a couple of times, but again, you're talking about a dude from the practice squad who got called up just to be a backup just in case. That got And then thrown ended in. up having to be the starter uh, on the outside for basically the entire second half. Of the again, game. this is what I will say, though. The only reason I'm okay with that 
or the only reason I agree with that is because he was on the practice squad. Even though it, you still have to have that next man up mentality, I, and it's it's impossible to be like, oh yeah, every guy we have on our team, even on the practice squad, is like starter qualified. But yeah, it doesn't gotta, happen. Yeah, it doesn't. But you got to expect something. And again, the, you were you are right. He was in position sometimes. Just feel like he was a step or two behind on certain plays. Um, it was Which just exactly what you expect out of a practice squad true. guy. You know, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. The secondary got torched all day long. I mean, I mean, freaking Josh Allen threw for 424 yards, four touchdowns, uh, and that, that one interception in the end zone. And then the fumble also pretty much in the end zone. Um, yeah. Arthur Mollett was solid against the run once again, but he's not good in coverage and was forced to basically play the entire game because of it. Yeah. Cause all the injuries. So Yeah. yeah. Cam Sutton ended up missing the end of the game. I believe I heard a hamstring on him. Uh, as I think we already mentioned, Levi Wallace suffered a concussion in the game and was unable to finish. Uh, so he's in the protocol along with Fryermuth and along with Trey or Terrell Edmonds. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Edmonds makes it out of protocol to play against Tampa Bay, and let's hope he does. Yeah. Because uh, the Trey Norwood experiment is not going well right now. No, it's uh, not. In, no, and then DeMonte KZ isn't eligible to come back yet. Although I think either it will be for the Tampa Bay game or the game after that suspension's almost over. Uh, so now it's a little bit more about how healthy is that wrist that he injured in the preseason. Is he un- is he able to come back from that yet? Yeah. Uh, so um, no real word on that yet. We might find out in the next couple of days and be able to talk about it later in the week with you guys. Yeah. Special teams wise, Boswell, one of his worst games, one for three yep. on field goals. No extra points, obviously, because we didn't score any touchdowns. Uh, and Presley Harvin, four punts for a 40.8 average. One was inside. One was a beautiful touchback. Well played by the defensive, uh, by the, you know, return or coverage unit. And then he, his longest punt was also 69 yards. So a good boot there. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, this was a very, very windy game. Very. Uh, and you could tell when the punt team came on. Uh, it, I felt like a couple of times he just had bad luck and he had to punt into the wind. And you're talking about like a 20 plus mile an hour wind. Uh, so he was booting it with everything he got and then it would just die. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it probably was a little better performance than the numbers would uh, suggest in this game, just because he kept on getting stuck punting into the wind. I'm going to guess that the 69 yarder was with the wind at his back. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Um. Yeah, overall, the team played like crap, and so we're hoping for a better game next week. <laughs> yeah, well, the injury report this week is going to be insanely important. We really need to see some of these guys come back in the secondary. Uh, that was the worst part of it. The secondary was absolutely ravaged in injury. Uh, by the end of this game, Mika was the only starter left. Uh, you had back up at, at strong safety you had your number four five and six corners out there Yikes. uh and that's never gonna go well even against like an average offense but when you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl uh and one of the best wide receivers in the nfl and stefan Diggs, that's just not gonna end well for you uh that was my biggest fear going into this game was that our secondary was too banged up and then it got worse during the game than what my fears were uh, and, uh, yeah, so there it was. I think, uh, Josh Allen now holds the Buffalo Bills singles game record for most passing yards in a game. Yep. And he didn't even play the whole game. So, yep. 
Very unfortunate for us. Yeah. So but, we're looking forward to, to brighter futures. Uh, hopefully some of these guys clear concussion protocol and get through these injuries other than guys that I would rather sit out for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, on the plus side, you have to look at it and say, Kenny Pickett moved the ball drastically better than Mitch Trubisky had in the yep. first four games. Yep. Uh, and I do think that some of these, some of these plays, the ball is going to start bouncing in the favor of the Steelers. And you're going to start seeing some passing touchdowns. Um, I think we'll see some Zach Gentry and some George Pickens more heavily involved against Tampa Bay. And I think that should go well for us as far as scoring some points. Yeah. Again, Kenny's going to learn who he can go to, who he can trust and go to those guys. So we'll see what happens again. We are excited for next week. We thank you guys for listening and watching. Be sure to follow and like on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. Until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.